Hey y'all, I'm Chelsea. I'm Sarah. And I'm Deidre. And this is Scream and Sugar. Hey, how are y'all today? Mm-hmm. Can you believe we're all three back together in the Hi, same room? In the same room. We are on the rights. We are, we are on the rights. But yeah, first time we've been together in what, two weeks? I know, it feels weird. A good weird, but... I feel all shiny, like I'm scared of talking about y'all. Whatever, you are not. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She's a liar. And- I'm a liar and a Not true. But anyways, today's my turn. Obviously, because I was like, hey, Angelique. <laughs> and today is a different kind of case. Mm-hmm. It's a murder case, but it's straight to the point. It's more of a controversial case. Okay. We haven't had one of those. We yet. haven't. She told me last night that it was one that was straight to the point. I was like, we haven't had one of those yet. I said, you know, Deidre. <laughs> you know, she ain't going to pick one like that. She's got to have all the tea and the twists and turns. My next one I'm doing is going to be, I, I've been looking for solved cases <laughs> because I Yay. want one that's solved. Unsolved ones are so good. We're just going to dive into it. So, y'all ready? Yes. I'm, ready. I'm so excited. Okay. So, today we're going to be talking about Mary Catherine Higden. I think I saw that right. And Stephen Freeman. Okay. So we're going to talk about Stephen. <laughs> he was born on January 1st, 1995, and he grew up in a small town of Griffin, Georgia. Ooh, Georgia. He grew up with both of his parents around, Jennifer and Troy, and his brother, Blake. He definitely had a happy childhood. A loving family around him as well. Um, a large circle of friends. And according to people that knew him, everybody liked him. One thing a lot of people had said about him is, is, is that he was constantly smiling and also would not hesitate to say, I love you a lot, which I love that he was like that because I grew up like that. Yeah, I still say like it because you never know, you know, you never know what could happen and you need to tell your loved ones, you mm-hmm. know, that you love them. We're the kind of family they start to go out the door and we're like, um, excuse me. Yeah. We're like, oh, sorry. Love you. Love you too. Bye. You know how many times I've gotten off the phone with my mom and dad and I'll be like, all right, bye. I love you. And then they hang up and I call them back. I'm like, uh, I mm-hmm. said, bye. I love you. Hey. I'm like, I, dad. I love you. <laughs> mom. I love you. And they just laugh at me. But I'm being for real. Anyways. Stephen loved the outdoors. He always wanted to be outside fishing, which I love. I grew up fishing. He also liked hunting and camping. Camping, I also grew up doing. I love camping. So it brings back. You know what I mean? Deidre will straight up get a tent and sleep on the ground. She she loves it. (laughs) She would like glamping. Oh, yeah. She's a glamper for sure. Me and Chelsea be in the woods. Okay. So, Stephen was a very chill dude. This is what they like. He's a very chill dude. His family actually said that he he would outlive all of them. Probably because he didn't have a lot of stress that he carried. I know it makes it sad. Hmm. And you know they say stress can kill you. Mm-hmm. But he was very laid back and seemed to never stress about anything, which I wish I could do that. Yeah, same. Growing up, Stephen had a very close relationship with both his parents, especially his mom Jennifer. At one point, Jennifer went back to school later in her life, and Stephen wrote her this adorable little note. Mm-mm. And it reads. Oh, God. You got the note. I showed you. I talked to him about this little letter, too. (laughs) It says, Dear Mom, 
I'm so proud of you and admire all the effort that I've watched you put forth throughout the past two years. It takes an enormous amount of devotion, far far more than me, to endure to endure the stress and responsibilities that you have taken upon yourself. I look up to you every day because of what you've done for me and Blake throughout our lives and now that if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish all your hopes and dreams and more. I love you to the moon and back. Steven. That's so sweet. A kid saying that to their mom, like, mm-hmm. if my kids did that to me, I would just, I knew I was doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'll raise you Yeah. And according to his mom, this was their special sign-off together. They would say, I love you to the moon and back. So they had a very close bonded relationship. Yeah. So the other person in the story is Mary Catherine Higden. Every time you say Mary Catherine, I think, Mary yeah. Catherine Gallagher. <laughs> so... Mary Catherine was born in 1994. Her family said growing up, she's a very happy-go-lucky, playful, fun kid who was constantly performing for them, putting on little plays. She was always entertaining everybody in the room. <laughs> she was, I know, that's why I was like, me. My Aunt Kelly could tell you that. I always loved to entertain when I was little. So, she's very creative. She loved animals, which me and Sarah and Deidre all love animals. Mm-hmm. Little puppies. Harlan's laying at Deidre's feet. We're at my house today. Yeah. Harlan is sleeping. <laughs> so she loved animals. And one time, she walked a frog around her neighborhood that she found with a shoelace. Oh my god! I was like, that. She dedicated. That is the she, sweetest <laughs> thing I have ever freaking. It is the sweetest thing, isn't it? That is so innocent. So, <laughs> as you may have guessed. Mary Catherine and Stephen were dating. Oh, okay. They sound like they would make a good couple. They sound <laughs> Deidre, like you, got <laughs> you got something to say? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so, in fact, they were high school sweethearts. They've been together for, So, they've been together for a while. So, as soon as they meet, they had so much in common, they quickly became inseparable. One passion that they both share is that they love the outdoors. They love to go hunting, camping, fishing. And Mary is a pretty rugged type of girl. Uh, she's into guns. She likes to hunt. She likes to get dirty. And Stephen really loved that about her. Uh, he felt like they weren't just in a relationship, that they had a strong friendship as well. As soon as they graduated high school, they moved into their own place in Griffin, Georgia. So they never, like they stayed in their hometown. Stephen worked as a metal worker, and Mary Catherine worked as a part-time teacher's assistant, and she also worked at a local sporting goods store selling guns. Oh, hell. So, <laughs> so one of Stephen's best friends, Thomas Skinner, actually worked with her at the store for a while. He said that before selling guns, all the employees there were expected to know how to handle them, make sure they didn't accidentally shoot them off in the store, you know, yes. make sure they demonstrated them correctly. You know, when a customer came up, because why would you hire someone to sell guns if they didn't know how to, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like anything. Yeah. You get hired for a job to sell it to people, you have to know about it. Yeah. So, uh, they learned to load and to shoot and the basic gun safety rule as well. Uh, Mary Catherine definitely knew how to handle a gun and how to shoot a gun. You know, she grew up doing that stuff. Yeah. So, she knew already. Um, lost my spot. Just breathing into the microphone. Uh, Mary Catherine definitely, 
definitely knew how to handle a gun and how to shoot a gun. I just said that, but whatever. Stephen was also a gun enthusiast and owned at least 10 guns. In fact, her and Stephen kept a Glock 42 in their home. Mary Catherine felt like she was actually even more into guns than Stephen was and knew more about them. She would even brag about this to his friends. Oh, okay. So Stephen spent a lot of time with his really close friends at the time. Which was Chase Pruitt, Thomas Skinner, and Andrew McCree. McCree. I guess that's how you say it. I don't know. If it ain't, sorry. I'm sorry, sir. They were, it's okay, because I have a weird last name, too. (laughs) 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 They were really close friends. They they really cared about who each other was dating. So, of course, when they met Mary Catherine, they were a bit hesitant. As soon as they got to know her, they actually really liked her and thought she was a perfect was perfect fit for him. A perfect fit for him. They loved how outdoorsy she was and how happy she was making him. His friends thought it was really cool that she did so many things that he did as well. They thought they were a pretty good match at first. Mary Catherine also got along with Stephen's family. His mother Jennifer really loved Mary Catherine and said that she considered her to be like a daughter. Mary Catherine would have dinner with them every Sunday at Jennifer's house with Stephen's grandparents and extended family there as well. So she was really part of their family. So by the summer of 2018, Mary Catherine was 24 and Stephen was 23. And they had been dating on and off for seven years. (laughs) 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 And still lived together in Griffin. Okay, I'm going to stop being goofy now. But then on August 1st, 2018, a call came in to 911 at 10.42 p.m. about a shooting victim at a house on Sunnybrook Drive. It was Mary Catherine crying, saying that she accidentally shot her boyfriend in the neck and kept saying, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was was hysterical. Sarah, your face. I can't. Sorry. So there's been a lot of debate and go back and forth on the 911 call. Some people say that she's genuinely very scared, and some people say that the call sounds very staged. But one thing's for sure, she said the words, I accidentally just shot my boyfriend. So, I'm going to play it for y'all, and then y'all can let me know what you think. What do you think? First of all, one word in that call caught my attention. Mm -hmm. She automatically, the first thing she said was, my gun was tampered with. Yes, Mm -hmm. the tampered. My gun was tampered, I mean... My gun was standing with, I, I, so sorry. That, no. Like what? Was that your first plan? Your first lie you were going to say and then you decided to change your mind? Well, they always say, like in 911 calls, where the person that actually did it is the person that called, one of the first things they do is they remove themselves from the situation. Like they'll say, I was over here and then she was in there and this happened. Just her saying that it was tampered with. Yeah. All right. Like so y'all on the same page on that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you on the same page? Yeah. Okay. She's like, I don't want to have it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's see. Let me. That's your little music because I can't find my spot. Okay. So um, the part where I said, but one thing's for sure, she did, the word she did say was, I shot my boyfriend. Right. Or I accidentally shot my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And that is really important. Okay. Okay. Remember that? She had shot Stephen Freeman right in his chest, just below the neck, with her Glock 42. So when officers arrived 
to the scene, Mary Catherine was absolutely hysterical. According to people there, she could not be calmed down. No one could get her to calm down, like, at all. Stephen was lying on a mattress, and she was actually kneeling on the mattress next to him, begging him to live through this for him to survive, saying, please help me over and over again. So he's still alive when they're there. As she was led away from the room, she kept yelling, I can't lose him, I can't lose him, it's up to you. Oh. <laughs> there was a period, I just went on in like, <laughs> like it was still the sentence. So it's up to you what you think, but some people say it's very staged, uh, it's very overdramatic. Some people say this is a very genuine emotion that she's displaying. So how did this happen? Well, according to Mary Catherine, the gun just went off as she was handing it to Stephen. She said that they kept it next to their bed for protect for protection. She just lifted it up, put it in his hand, and it accidentally went off. She also said that she didn't know that it was loaded when she picked it up. <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Apparently, their guns are typically not loaded in their house. You treat every gun like it's loaded. Mm -hmm. She said she didn't understand how the bullet could have possibly hit him. That she wasn't really pointing it at him when they got to the scene. Stephen actually did still have a pulse. That's why I, that's why I kind of like okay. ignored your um, thingy over there. You know how like when somebody asks you to hand him the scissors and you hand me a knife. You hand him the non-sharp end. Yeah, mm -hmm. you hold the sharp end and you hand them the other end mm -hmm. so they don't get cut. Her whole life, she's known all about guns, and all of a sudden, exactly. she don't know a damn thing now. I didn't know it was loaded. It's going to be heavier, boo. And you know that. You're lying. Well, we know she's stupid. Why the you lying? I do not own the rights to that. <laughs> so, he was rushed to the hospital, but unfortunately, mm -hmm. passed away a couple minutes before midnight when he got there. Right off the bat, the officers on the scene, these police officers are really smart, okay? So, remember the whole... Ellen Greenberg. Ellen Greenberg, where the police was like, oh, it's suicide. They were really smart because, you know, right off the bat, they were like, like this is a homicide. Okay, good. Yeah. You're being sarcastic at first. No. Like, what I'm being for real. Right off the bat. Good. Mm-hmm. We got police actually being police. Yeah, they thought it was a homicide and not an accident. So, of course, they took Mary Catherine in for interrogation. And when they started talking to her... They started asking, you know, how was your relationship? How were things going? How did this happen? Well, she starts explaining that she loved Stephen. He was no. the he was the love of her life. She'd never hurt him on purpose. She told them that the shooting was an accident, just like what she said at the crime scene. Later. But then she changed her story. Oh. She said that instead of just handing him the gun, she was tossing him the gun. When oh it went off. Oh my gosh. Are you freaking kidding <laughs> me? going to sound the best for why the gun went off. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up around guns. I've been using guns for years. I know how they I operate. Know how all the safety guidelines and everything. But here, catch this. Mm -hmm. Look alive. Look alive. Just like I told you earlier about the charger. Look alive, Sarah. Mm -hmm. So the detectives right away were not buying it. Right. One of them specifically had enough experience with guns to know it doesn't really work that way. Like you know, when you throw a gun, it doesn't just go off. Mm -hmm. Can we agree on that? Yeah. I mean, someone needs to pull the trigger. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, whatever. 
I mean, what's the point? What's the point in there being a trigger on the gun if you can just throw it and it goes off? I mean, sorry. It's so hard that the air forced the trigger in. Bam. Probably. Gravity. Gravity. But yeah. I feel like there's like situations with live rounds where things like this have happened or something weird. But it's because there's like a round, there's like something stuck in the gun, like something didn't work. Which is probably what she was trying to say, but then she said tampered with and was like, oh shit, I mean, uh, I accidentally shot my boyfriend. And it's like, mm-hmm, lying ass. Well, the evidence at the crime scene definitely makes it seem that this was not an accident. Uh, something was going down at the house before the gun went off. First of all, there was food all over, like, not on the counter, on the table, like, floor, everywhere. Okay? Like, it had been thrown. Mm. They had they had to have had some type of fight, obviously, uh, where food was thrown all around the kitchen. Not only that, they also smelled alcohol on her breath, which could also mean there was an argument as well. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, right away, the police didn't believe her story. They got her to agree to sit down and talk to them without a lawyer and to have it all on tape. Which mm-hmm. I'm like, that's dumb on her part, but okay. I mean... Yeah, I don't care. If, if you if it, I get mixed in with something, even if I am innocent, even if I'm, yeah. I'm getting fucking lawyer. Yeah, like, I know that might look bad, but bye, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't do nothing. Because you never know, like, these cops seem legit, but you never know when you're going to come across people that's going to twist your words. Yeah. Put words in your mouth. Mm-hmm. You always be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Well, as the interrogation went on, they kept pushing her to tell the truth. They didn't believe the story. She was... Just tossing him the gun, and then it was all an accident. They believed a fight happened, and then something went wrong. At some point, the detective started yelling at her. Get it. And they say that this is part of a, of like the interrogation technique, but they started screaming at her. I was like, damn. <laughs> they started screaming at her, like, stop lying. I was like, and this tactic actually worked. Ooh. Mary Catherine admitted that she did it and that she did it out of anger and it was all on tape. Mm-mm-mm. So you think at this point, case closed? <laughs> but no. Never. Because there was a major technical difficulty. <gasps> After they had already arrested her on the confession and charged her with murder, they go back to review the tape and mm-hmm. guess what? It it's absolutely. Fucked. The it wasn't recording. The recording is fucked. Pretty much all you can hear is feedback noise. And what? they had no backup audio. Which, why? You're, You're a police state. Why? Why would you not have back? Like, on, on the police's part, this was dumb as hell. Like, you all should be smacked in the face. Because if you're doing an interrogation and you're a police, like, obviously, why would you have backup audio? I don't know. We have backup audio. Yeah. And we're freaking amateur podcasters. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. Anyway. We have trouble all the time. A good grief. Did they yeah. test it to make sure it was going to sound? Obviously good? not. It's quite important. They probably so, missed something up screaming and shit. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Busted the speakers. <laughs> well, so, so all they have now is, you know, their word against uh-huh. hers. The two detectives are in the room and Mary, Catherine... That's all they had. They had their word and her word. That was it. He's like, I take that back. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Well, after all those hours and getting her to confess, the interrogation was useless, pretty much. 
Now, this was definitely the best evidence that they had, but it wasn't the only evidence they had. There was evidence that the gun had been loaded that night. Mary Catherine had cooked a London broil for dinner, which is very greasy, and this is what officers had found all over the floor, but they found that cooking grease on the magazine in the side of the gun, mm. showing that someone had loaded it after cooking dinner. Mm-hmm. It also came out that police had been to their residence five times in the mm. past year. Oh, that ain't right. Two of those times were definitely for domestic disputes. One of them was apparently about an issue related to animals, which was weird. I couldn't find anything on that. Maybe say, like, like they had animals and like neighbors were... Complaining that the dogs were barking or something like it? I guess. Hold on. I don't know. Well, the more details that they started to uncover, the more they leaned towards homicide. So they started interviewing people closest to Mary Catherine and Stephen. Did someone just fart? <laughs> no. I don't know. I heard something and it just tickled me because I thought it was a fart. Farts are funny. <laughs> okay. You could have been hauling making that noise too. He's sleeping. Oh, he's out. He's out. Okay, so, <laughs> back to the story. They interviewed people close to Mary Catherine and Stephen, including Stephen's friends and all of Stephen's... I just... I touched that twice. Okay. <laughs> all of Stephen's friends instantly said they thought that Mary Catherine did it. Without... Like, when they heard uh, Stephen was shot, Mary Catherine, they didn't know yet that she did it. Yeah, she didn't show them. Yes, they already know other stuff that's happened. I'm sure. Yeah. So according to them, she possessed. She was possessive and unstable. It said that she was very verbally abusive to Stephen, and she was constantly yelling at him, and they were constantly yelling at each other. And whenever he would leave the house to try to get away from her or get a break, you know, if they were fighting, she would call him, text him over and over again until he oh, would man. until he'd have to block her. I was like, dang, that's crazy. Oh my gosh, so she's not. one of those people. Who are you with? Where are you at? Send pictures of all the people that you're with so I know you're not with somebody. According to his friends, she was. Well, one time he was at work. He was in the car with a co-worker. It wasn't a female. It was a male. Oh. I, I, I knew I had to clarify that because, I mean, if it was a woman, I mean, I'd kind of be like, what the? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they were driving to a job together and she called him, according to the co-worker, over 30 times while oh, they were in the car. Gosh. And how long was this drive to the job? I couldn't find it. But I don't think it was it long because it long. wasn't. I don't think it was. But no, I tried finding the time they were in the car, but he never said. That poor co-worker. They're just like. All of his friends said that Stephen was afraid of Mary Catherine. And get this. Mm-mm. They said that she had pulled a gun on him before. Oh. And that he had told all of them about it and not just once. Three or four times. Oh my gosh. She's now. pulled a gun on him. You're not going to pull a gun on me. What? Do it. Do it and see. I'll leave so fast. How dare you? It's so weird that this time when she pulled the gun, it just happened to go off. Yeah. Right. She does this all the time. So she just thought, you know, she would shoot him this time. Her greasy ass hands on everything. Mm-hmm. See? You're sloppy. <laughs> so the police are gathering all this evidence. Com- you know, and the interviews with the friends and stuff, putting together a timeline, and they get ready for trial. And you know, they're hoping to get justice for Stephen and for his his family, who's yeah. absolutely devastated. Deidre, what are you doing? Because I can't. 
You look I'm creepy because all I can see is your eyes. You do like from your creepy. nose down. I'm like, and she's gazing at me with those eyes. I'm like, oh my god, that ain't a gaze, but it ain't glare. Yeah, it's it more like glare. yeah, glare. She's bedazzling me, y'all. <laughs> so they're trying to get justice for Stephen and his family. That's obviously devastated. So we're gonna go over kind of a timeline of the relationship from the what the police were able to put together leading up to the night that he was shot. Okay. So on April twenty first, two thousand and eighteen, three months before Stephen was killed. He texted his friend Andrew and said, MK is running around screaming at the top of her lungs outside and now she's trying to shoot me and herself. Then a few weeks later, Stephen tells a friend that Mary Catherine had pointed a gun at him and he specifically said when he looked into her eyes, she had a specific look that she looked like she actually might shoot him. Like it wasn't for show just because they were fighting like to kind of scare him like he. He really thought she wanted to kill him in that moment. I was like, dang. So after this happened, he went to a friend's house that the look in his eye or her eye, like when that specific time happened, yeah, he he, uh, went to a friend's house to get a break from her and he ended up not reporting it to the police. Always reporting. Because he really loved her and didn't want her to get into trouble. Oh, okay. So things were toxic with them for a while. They fought a lot, and in July of 2018, it seemed Stephen may actually have been ready to leave her, according to his friend Thomas. Stephen definitely made the decision by July that he was going to move out. He was actually planning on moving to another town and just not going to tell her. Oh, my god! Best move action. Should have done it. He was so close. I mean, that's how afraid of her he was. That's so sad. Obviously. I mean, he was just going to do this while she was at work, basically. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, he had And sneak to. away. That's what people have to yeah. do in abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. Because if he did it when she was there, or maybe... Well, he actually planned to leave on August 3rd, 2018, which is two days after he was shot and killed. Oh. Oh. So, on July 30th, just two days before he was shot, Stephen and Mary Catherine actually exchanged some loving text messages that said... Good morning, beautiful. She said, have a great day. He replied, you too. Love you. But, I mean, that's that's how the relationship was. It was hot and cold. Yeah. You know, that's mainly how toxic relationships are. Right. They go back and forth between the two extremes. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. So, the next day, they got into a fight. And it was so bad that Stephen said he was coming home. Or he wasn't coming home. Sorry, I typo. So, the next day, they got into a fight. It was so bad that Stephen said he wasn't coming home. He actually told his friend that he was running from Satan. Oh. oh. Yeah. He went th- He went there. Well. That tells you again how afraid of, you know, afraid of her he was. Yeah. So the next night, she made him a nice dinner. The London Broil. One of his favorites. What she, is that? I'm I just about to look that don't up. recall. She hoped that he would come home. They would have a dinner together. They'd talk it out and, you know, continue on like they always did. Stephen did not come home and would not answer her calls that night. So, later when she was questioned about, questioned about this, she said that she was just irritated that she made this meal and he wasn't coming back. And she just wanted to know if he could start eating without him or if she could start eating without him or not. And that's why she kept calling him off the hook. 
She was, or she went as far as calling his mother Jennifer. Oh, good grief. And his mom said that he was over at his friend Thomas's house. So, Stephen and Thomas had already left his house and were driving around in his truck. This is some real crazy bitch shit, okay? Oh, gosh. So, Mary Catherine spotted the truck somehow and started following them. She's yeah. got to find out if she can eat. So, Thomas said she was right up on his bumper and that she was acting. She eventually pulled up to the side of the car and started screaming out the window, Are you coming home? Can I eat? <laughs> Can I eat? Well, his friend said that Stephen had looked like he had just given up. Oh. And he said, hard. Yes, I'm coming home. Will you calm down? And two hours later, Stephen was shot. So it's pretty obvious, obvious what happened. Stephen probably went home uh, to end things with Mary Catherine. She didn't like the fact that they weren't going to have this nice dinner that she had made and move on. Basically, because, you know, they'd fight, move on, fight, right. yeah. whatever. She realized that this was yeah. the tipping point. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, she probably just threw the food on the floor, bought her gun. You know, who knows exactly what else happened next. Right. next. But, she clearly shot him. So, I mean, there's that. Like, we don't know what happened from the fight leading up to it, but we know it happened. So, yeah. The fact that he was telling his friends, though, multiple times that she pointed a gun at him. He was scared for his life. I yeah. mean, that's awful. That's why they knew instantly. They were like, I, it, um, I mean, and that definitely makes you think twice about her, too. Mm hmm. We're all just like sitting here, like, it's where, because she got something. Something. There's a few screws in her head that's loose. Well, when you think about it, it all kind of makes sense. She is very familiar with how to use guns. Mm hmm. And for her to say she just accidentally discharged it when she learned all this stuff about gun safety mm -hmm. all her life. Yeah, she knows more about guns than he does, remember? Yeah, it's just hard to believe that. bragging about that. Yeah, so of course when it came time for the trial, she changed her story again. She was going to be pleading not guilty. Stupid. Well, she claimed she had to shoot Stephen in self-defense. Oh, good I was, I was just waiting for this Stupid stuff to come up. Mary Catherine was represented by public defenders, and they argued that this was self-defense. They said that Mary Catherine was afraid of Stephen because of his history of abuse. Mm -hmm. yeah. Since the prosecution did not have the confession tape anymore, they had to rely mostly on physical evidence, which isn't too much in this case, but the fact there was grease on the gun, it showed it had been loaded, and that was a big part of the argument. They also brought in Stephen's friends as witnesses, of course, because they were familiar yeah, with how the relationship was. Crazy she was. Yeah. So, of course, when you go to trial, everything comes out. All their text messages, search history, their mm -hmm. conversations with each other mm -hmm. over a long period of time. Oops. And, you know, they were together for off and on for seven years. That's a lot of stuff. She's about to get exposed. We will go over some of that in a second. Okay. Just a second. Okay. They also, in a very risky move, had Mary Catherine take the stand. <gasps> How'd that go? This was pretty intense. Uh, she told a, a completely different story. Oh my God! Of their relationship. Evelyn Dick. That's what I'm about to say. Just changing story after story after story. She alleged that she had suffered every type of abuse from Stephen for years. She said she had a very controlling and manipulative side. Or he, he, had, he had 
a very controlling and manipulative side that not many people knew about. Yeah. She says she had made her act. She had. Oh my God. She said he had made her act a certain way and she couldn't help to get extremely emotional and heated in times because of the way he pushed her. Right. So mm -hmm. I guess that's supposed to sum up the craziness that his friends have said about I'm her. Crazy because he made me crazy. Pretty much what she said. I'm crazy because you just crazy. Crazy. Yeah. crazy. Well, according to her, he was very controlling. He had to know where she was at all times, what she spent money on, what she was eating, what she was doing. And of course, this is all her words. Keep in mind, as I'm saying this, I'm not speaking these things as if, you know, they're facts. Right, because they ain't. Because those receipts <laughs> about to tell it. Yeah, well, it's hard in these cases too, where the victim can't yeah, speak can't speak for himself. themselves and defend themselves you know in any way. Mm -hmm. This is what she argued in court. She also said that one time while she was sitting on her bed, Stephen kicked her really hard and it actually pushed her forward off the bed and her and her head hit their door frame really hard. Oh my gosh, I can just. Ugh. One time we were in bed and he kicked me. And then I fell and I hit my head on the door. Yeah, how close is the bed to the damn door? I don't know. <laughs> Just making up. Mm -hmm. Okay. She said, <laughs> she said she never called the police because she'd end up blaming herself that she had pushed him that far to abuse her. So she'll blame herself when he's alive, but after you shoot and kill him, She's going to blame him now? Basically, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the defense recovered a bunch of text messages from the mm -hmm. two of them, and they're not pretty, guys. Those receipts coming up. They're not pretty. Mm -mm. In fact, there were 63 pages of very vulgar and threatening, scary messages hmm. from Stephen oh, no! to Mary Catherine. No. Dang no. it. Did this happen in January? Was that right, January of that year? Yeah, I don't remember. Why'd you ask me? Sorry. You know, I can't remember stuff. Well, something was in January. Yeah, something was in January. One of them could have been born in January. I don't know. Yes, he was born in January. That's probably what it is. Just kidding. Go ahead. So, <laughs> apparently, these messages were so brutal, the news hadn't revealed a lot of them. A lot of them haven't been shared with the public. Because they're so bad and... Steven. I know. And a message he sent was a picture... Oh. ...of himself holding up a dead fish and said, This is you, bitch. <gasps> oh, God. So... That, that's not okay. Remember when I said, Everything comes out? Everything comes <laughs> out. That's what I was... And y'all were thinking I was talking about her, but I was like, These bitches ain't ready. Yeah, I mean, that's no good, but nobody still deserves to be shot and killed. No. Um, and another one, he said, mm -mm. I'm going to fucking wreck you for wrecking me. Oh. And he was actually, actually referring to her cheating on him. At one point, she cheated on him, and he went crazy over it. He was so angry. Stephen's mom said she had no idea he was talking to a woman like this, and that she's not proud of the way he was talking. But she said that this was most likely out of anger. Well, that hurt my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the messages that he had sent her even said, the more shit you talk, the more you get punished when I get home. 
Oh, oh God. Like, y'all, it gets worse. Oh. Like, I know. It gets bad. And she has to sit there and hear all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, when the court asked what did he mean by punish, whenever they were asking her, like, what he meant by that, she mm-hmm. said he would slap her, grab her, punch her, scream at her, say, why can't you just listen to me and do the things that I tell you, and why can't you do better? So she explained as much as she could of the relationship. She actually explained a lot about how it was really controlling and toxic, and when it was good, it was good, and when it was bad, it seemed like it was really bad. Then they revealed that Stephen had a red room. Oh, oh, uh oh. According to Mary Catherine, what? I'm, I'm, I'm oh, okay. I'm just trying to. We know, we know what a red room is. For those of you that are listening, Deidre, why don't you explain what a red room is? Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, we could just go as far as saying it's just a room for rough sex, basically. Yeah, or like a BDSM type of situation. I think the red room technically comes from Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. But basically is a... Dress of sex. Dominant, submissive type thing. So, Mary Catherine... <laughs> Mary Catherine said that they would use the room and he would take her in there and punish her. This is when she made a huge accusation. Y'all. Oh. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait. Real quick. Just to clarify, the way he's talking about punishing her sounds aggressive and angry and not in the manner that a BDS situation would be. Yeah. Not a consensual. This is, yeah, this is like an abusive thing, and mm-hmm. that is consensual on both sides. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, this is not sounding good. That's what she's making it out to sound like. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Like I said earlier, I'm not saying these as. They're facts. It's just what right. she said. This right. is what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Dead. So now, yeah, it's it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's about to get worse, isn't it? Oh yeah. Oh. So when she uh, she made a huge accusation, and everyone in the courtroom was shocked and not expecting this, just like you two right now. Yeah, I'm wincing. So she said that Stephen had raped her twice. Now, again, Stephen's not here. Can't defend himself. So we have to go off what she's saying. And there's really no way to tell if she's telling the truth or not. So, I mean, right. it's like a 50-50. He could have done it, could have not. Who knows? She said that on one of these occasions, they'd just gotten back from a trip to Walt Disney World. They had a great time at Disney. They came back. They have sex. Mary Catherine claimed she was being, he was being really aggressive. She wanted him to stop. He asked her. Or she had asked him several times, several times to stop. Then she said, "He said, I bought you all this stuff at Disney World, so you have to do what I tell you. You have to give me what I deserve." Oh, screw you! And then, according to her, trigger warning, he raped her. She claimed that the night Stephen died went completely different than what police thought. She said she broke up with him actually after making him dinner. She said he got really angry, freaked out, and started throwing things and screaming. Uh, Even though two hours before this, he was fleeing from her, and she was chasing him with her car. That's what I don't understand. She was in such an abusive relationship, and she was on the receiving end of that. I don't see her being so controlling and going all crazy, like chasing him down and you need to come home. I mean, I feel like she would be like, okay, you know, just come home when, when you're ready. Dinner's done. 
Yeah. But I mean, I've never been in that situation, so I don't know. It just seems odd to me, but I mean, I don't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thanks for the feedback. <laughs> for the feedback. I agree 100%. She said that he kept getting angry and angry angrier and angrier and she eventually picked up the gun and pointed at him to scare him and she said her last words to him were get the fuck out of my house and he lunged at her and all she could remember was the gun going off she said he was standing there bleeding still conscious and said call 911 and then fell down while she was on the stand she didn't specify she didn't specifically talk about pulling the trigger she just talks about the lunge and then it happened and it was a blur. And so Mary Catherine said that she originally had lied to the police that she was just embarrassed to be a victim. Your first instinct when all that happens is on the phone nine one one to say that the gun has been tampered with. Yeah, that's still. Like Are you gonna talk more about that pretty <laughs> word? Because I'm still stuck on it. Yeah. This is yeah. Like from Chicago. <laughs> Well, Mary Catherine's sister took the stand and backed her up, saying that she was being abused by Stephen. There were bruises on her weeks before all this happened, apparently. She said at first, Mary Catherine had said that he had just grabbed her too hard, but that she knew something was, you know, more was going on. Mm -hmm. But now, let's talk about the forensic evidence. (laughs) Forensic evidence showed... That Mary Catherine had shot him while he was sitting on the corner of their mattress. She said he was standing. Right. And then he fell after he said, He never even moved. He was sitting when he was shot and he fell back. So, like I said, they caught up Stephen's friend and they all testified that she was the abusive one in the relationship and not him. Mm hmm. Which is hard, because he did write those messages, and they were pretty horrible. And Like, it's hard to, it's hard to think. It's hard to. Now knowing, now knowing some things that were said, that he said to her, now it's hard to put him as the victim. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't, and I'm not saying that he, yeah, I mean, he's dead, but. It's just hard to say that he. That he was absolutely terrified, like he was dealing with sight, like he was scared, like. Some things that he said was... I mean, yeah, that's... I mean, that's not okay at all. No. But according to them, she was physically abusive to him and verbally abusive as well. Apparently, she would hit him in the face, chest, punch him in the shoulder. Uh, They said they never saw Stephen hit her. That one time she slapped him and he grabbed her and said not to hit him again. And that was all that they ever saw as far as physical action against her. Which, of course, things can happen behind the scenes yeah. without friends seeing it. So, you never know on that. But they also pointed out the obvious. She worked with guns. Mm-hmm. Before she had ha- before she had, had gun safety lessons, she should know how to operate a gun. It's very hard to believe that she would just accidentally yeah. shoot one off. <laughs> okay. She was constantly bragging to people about how good she was with the guns, which I've kind of... I've already said this, but I'm just kind of like bringing it back up again because this is what they presented to. She was good with the guns. She accidentally fires one, whatever. Just didn't really add up. So, of course, the defense said that they were, or that they never actually saw her abusing him with their own eyes. They don't have proof of it. They also don't have proof of her confession, obviously. So, according to her side, she never even confessed. 
They also alleged that Stephen had a drug and alcohol use problem, which contributed to his violent behavior. The prosecution brought up another very important text message. It was recovered from Stephen's phone, and it said, I know you pointed a gun at me a bunch of times. The last time you did it, it scared the shit out of me. So, I mean, that right there, some things that his friend said. Yeah, I mean, that's just backing up their story. Backing it up, like, you know, they didn't lie about that, at least. Which, I'm not saying they lied about anything else. I'm just saying... That's right. one that something proof. that's proof that they said that, like corroborates it that kind of would help them. Um, so Mary Catherine said that this was about shooting herself. She would often threaten to commit suicide, and that's one of the reasons why Stephen's mother believes that Stephen stayed in the relationship so long is that Mary Catherine would threaten to harm herself if he left. She's saying that that text was about her. Yeah. Okay, well that doesn't make any sense. I know. You're going to threaten suicide by pointing the gun at somebody else? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the prosecution also noted that Mary Catherine had slightly altered or changed her story completely like at least ten times. times. Close. <laughs> Add two. <laughs> she had told everyone something different. She had told the 911 operator that she was grabbing the gun, putting it next to the bed. She told the first responders that she was handing it to Stephen. Then she goes in and tells the detective, detectives. <laughs> detectives that she had tossed the gun to him and accidentally goes off her story just constantly changed you know but of course the fact remains that all of her interrogation footage completely ruined and not usable and not only not only that guys not only that but the murder weapon was also tampered with at the scene first responders actually moved the gun because they were worried that Mary Catherine might pick it up and shoot herself, which is understandable, but they should have moved Mary Catherine away from the gun and not touch the gun. Never touch the gun. Never touch the... Never touch. Did you say this was uh, the paramedics? Yeah, the first responders. I understand that. Like I said, I understand, but... Remove the person from the weapon. Don't. Someone was shot. No, I get that. I mean, I'm. Yeah, they definitely should have moved her instead. I get it it to the side, like just nudge it. I just know that's why you can't move stuff. I just know that, like first responders, they they're more so saving the person. They don't care as much about like their main priority is getting to the person, helping them. So I guess that's just like what their mindset was, you know. Move the gun, keep her away from it, because they probably thought maybe they couldn't. You can go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, like keeping. I mean, I guess they're supposed to keep everybody safe, but what did they? Are you going to tell us how they tampered with it, or they just picked it up? They picked. Yeah. Yeah, they could have just. They picked it up and moved it. Nudge it with your foot. Don't pick it up. Why are you picking it up? So of course, Mary Catherine took the stand. She was also cross-examined, of course. She was grilled about her never reporting the abuse, never talking to anyone about it, never texting anyone about it. It was rare that she talked to anyone about it when she did, and it was always spoke to people and not in the text. Then they brought up the fact that just hours before the shooting, she was actually babysitting, and while she was babysitting, she was looking at really violent adult content on the computer. Hmm. She claims that this was all done because she was getting ideas, that that's what Stephen was into, and she wanted to please him. And they actually argue that there's no way that someone, you know, who had the sexual trauma that she had, would be Apparently, able to look at that stuff that she had claimed, yeah, that could look at stuff like that. Yeah. It was, vid- I mean, it was horrible, violent videos. It wasn't just like pictures. It was like, yeah, that 
like sexual stuff or just like i don't know that just said horrible videos mm. horrible violent videos so in closing arguments they reminded the jury that she had changed her story many times they also brought up the fact that it's unlikely that if she was being abused that she would track down her abuser in their car and force him to come home Mm-hmm. They said that their relationship finally hit a boiling point, literally when she made that London broil. Uh-huh. And he wasn't into having dinner with her and probably told her she was planning to leave, or he was planning to leave. The defense's closing arguments, they actually talked about how Mary Catherine had seen a face that came up on Stephen's face that reminded her of when he would abuse her. They actually brought a jack-in-the-box and used it to make the point that when you know what's coming... As you're winding it up, you're gonna you're gonna have a reaction. Oh my she gosh. I'm yeah, they had a jack in the box, literally, and the guy was like twirling it and okay. walking around. <laughs> you know what's about to happen. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like it's a pretty Extra. pretty weak comparison. Yeah, I I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, okay. This woman is on trial for murder. And I know that in that situation it was a human being. But here's a jack-in-the-box. Pretend this is a human, a living, breathing person. <clears throat> so, like... Like, you know what's going to happen when we finish cranking this. <laughs> it's like, dude, yeah, I'm going to shoot it because I'm scared. Yeah. I ain't never heard of him. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm curious as to what you guys think at this point into the case. The verdict... Like, what the verdict's going to be. But I'm curious before I tell you the verdict. I feel like. Okay, so her charges. Was it first degree murder? What was her charges again? Aggravated assault. I think it was. Possession of a weapon. Well, just said she was charged with murder. Didn't say which degree. At least the article I got it from didn't. I didn't even think to. You can cut that part out whenever I ask what she was charged with. Are you sure it's Yeah. Oh, it's on you. Oh. I didn't know. I feel like. Oh, I don't know. I want them to say that she's guilty of murder. I feel like we're going to be disappointed because it's just been a big disappointment. So I'm going to say that they find her guilty of a lesser charge like involuntary manslaughter or something like that. That's going to be my guess. What you thinking, D? <laughs> she's like, I really don't even know. <laughs> Because I don't even know. Because there's so much on both sides. She may just get acquitted altogether. Because those messages sound bad. I'm wondering what the jury looks like. Is it half men and women? Or is it all, you know... I don't know. It seems like there's abuse on both sides. I don't know what they're going to do. Right now we're getting one side of everything. And then the side we're getting of the person who's dead is not looking hot. Do you want to pick something, or are you just going to be floating? Well, I'm picking she gets acquitted for it. Okay. Oh, so we're 
I'm thinking they about to throw a whole Chelsea, thing Chelsea, what do you think? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I know what happens. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, Lord. The jury has seven women and five men. Oh. Dude's <laughs> like. In the in the first few minutes of their deliberation, they took a vote. It was ten to two guilty. Two jurors were voting not guilty, were men. Oh. And they were, yeah, and they were struggling because they felt like no matter what they did, they would destroy a family. Because I mean, like you said, like both sides ain't looking good. I mean, as Mm -hmm. far as the evidence and messages and stuff goes. Um. I mean, it is a lot of pressure to be a juror. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. I, I don't think couldn't I imagine. Do. I mean, I've I've had jury duty before, but I got out of it, so I didn't have to like do it. But I wouldn't want to, especially on a case like this. Like, I'd be like, I don't know what to do. We're gonna be here for like twenty years before we get something. Yeah. So yeah, all the somebody confesses on the stand. I know. Like, I don't know. I would stay <laughs> if I was a juror. I'd stand. I'd be like, can you just please tell the truth? <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> Well, all the jurors said that they knew for sure that she did lie and she had shot him. It was the gray area of self-defense that kept them from staying guilty. Mm-hmm. And the jury talked back and forth about abusive relationships, whether she'd use, whether she'd be used to lying or not. Uh, de- they deliberated for hours after this initial vote, but it was the next day they came to their final verdict. Sarah's like, hee hee. I'm just. Mary Catherine Hidgeden was found not guilty on all charges. So, just like that, Mary Catherine was free. Oh my God. Acquittal. All the charges were dropped, and on June 26th, she was released from jail, 2019. Stephen's mom says to this day that she thinks that he did not get the justice that he deserved, and she's extremely angry on how everything played out. Me too. The jurors who have been interviewed since. Say it was an extremely tough call, and some of them, a lot of them, think that she did do it, but they just did. There wasn't enough evidence. There wasn't. There wasn't she enough was evidence, like substan- yeah. blah, 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 substantial evidence, to charge her with murder. Like, and there's really not. And not having that confession tape yeah. really destroyed Stephen's justice. That screwed mm-hmm. them so bad because if they had had that. It wouldn't matter what she said because they had it on recording. I mean, this is 2018. You don't have backup fucking audio for your police station. What kind of shit is that? that I is. mean, I'm not trying to dog them or nothing, but I mean, I'm tearing into them because that's a little bit ridiculous. Would the, back- <laughs> the backup even have helped if the, if the feed was bad? It probably just would have been a backup. Who knows? It, it could have just been that recorder that had the bad shit going on with it. You still need to have backup audio regardless yeah, of anything. Yeah. I'm just shocked that it went from 10 to 2 guilty to acquittal. Acquittal. There's some Well, sign. and I feel like, well, I guess if they, yeah, I guess it doesn't always go, I guess it's not acquittal. I'm thinking of like a hung jury. Like when it's a hung jury like that, usually you have to do like a whole new trial, but they were just like, no, we can't even deal with this. Which, I mean, that's what I said, but I was like, that's probably not going to happen. But then I was like, Especially oh. when you said the two that were holding out were men. I thought they would be women, you know? Yeah sympathy for her and stuff. Yeah. Maybe, I know like in some cases, the judge or whatever, they're not allowed to find them guilty on a lesser charge. Like, they don't offer that. It's either murder or nothing. You know what I mean? Maybe they yeah. couldn't do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there it I is. Don't I don't know if I think that. I don't know who the hell to believe. There's a lot of evidence about him. What happened? 
This might I mean, one thing off. one thing we do know is she did shoot him purposely. We just don't know if it was defense or not. We don't know if it was But the thing about it is though, we kinda do because they said that he was That's he had to have been good. sitting to be shot and she said that he was standing up, he lunged at her, she shot him, he was still standing conscious and said, Call nine one one and then fell back. That's another thing I thought. Whenever she was I like, I said, Get the F out of my house and he said, Call nine one one. I don't. I didn't believe that the minute you said it because I'm like, that's too. That's movie. I mean, right there. I think. Yeah, he lunged at her. I think she killed him purposely, mm-hmm. wanting him dead. Now her intentions may have been she was scared. Maybe he didn't lunge at her. You know, maybe there was no threat, but she was just like, "What if I just get rid of him and I don't have to deal with this anymore?" Maybe she was emotional. I don't know. Yeah, I forgot about him sitting down. That. That forensic evidence should be enough. It's like if you shoot someone in the back. If you're yeah. being robbed and someone you shoot someone in the back, it's like, oh, don't count because they were coming towards you trying to attack you. Yeah. How is that a thing? And I could see her being like, he's about to beat me. And like, he hasn't done it yet, but he's like, oh, just wait. Here in a minute, I'm going to, like how he said, you're going to be punished when I get home. Mm-hmm. If they lived together and he had a red room, he could have been like, I'm about to take you to the red room. And she's like, I can't do it anymore. And yeah. she just shot him before. Yeah, could be. But still, how is that not enough evidence? That's like you would think if he said that, he would be being aggressive. Yeah, like, I just feel like both of them did things that were bad in the relationship, obviously. But from the way it sounded, he wasn't going to go home that night. She chased him down to get him home. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like. She had the whole thing planned. He wasn't coming home. Yeah. So then either she had it planned and she was going to do it or she's just crazy and he didn't come home. So then she just like lost her shit. So he finally comes home and then he's like, look, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. Yeah. I'm done dealing with it. It's not working. And she's like, okay, you're going to leave me. You're done. That's what I think happened. That's my opinion. I hope you guys like. This case was a little... That one was a doozy. That got me feeling all kinds of... All different types of ways. It was yeah. doozy. Very yeah. doozy. Those messages Stephen sent, that broke me. It's like, how could mm-hmm. you do this to us? You were our shining little perfect victim. And then you were out here talking. I love how she just used the phrase, a shiny little perfect shiny victim. Little <laughs> you sound like a freaking serial killer. <laughs> She's really crazy. He was just like the stand-up guy. Everybody loved him. He wrote that mm-hmm. message to his mama, and then it was like he was saying some stuff so vulgar that we couldn't even say it in the trial. Excuse me. Yeah, that's I mean, crazy. I want to know what they were. Me I mean, too. you never know. He could have been that person, and you know how people are—they get with a certain person that's crazy. But you know, it changes them for the worse. They said there was a bunch of them that they couldn't even show or yeah, like, tell to the what, public. I mean, the yeah. picture. With the dead fish and him saying, this is you, bitch. I mean, that was pretty insane. I just... It's like, what can be worse than that? You know? I mean, there's probably plenty of no, stuff. No, I'm sure there is plenty of stuff, but it's like, it's like that that's bad. so bad already. Like, what yeah. could be worse than that? You know what I mean? I like, about what could be so bad that they wouldn't show it to a jury. They show videos of rape and torture and people being murdered and all that stuff. And they offer the jury therapy because it's so bad or whatever what but they can't say. show text messages like good grief what did he say toy box killer they had to see that yeah. i had a request to do that one which one that the one's toy a- box killer well 
That one was a roller coaster. Yep. I'll you be... didn't warn you didn't warn us and you didn't tell us. I grab onto our handlebars. I know I should and have. we weren't ready for it. Yeah, I pulled off my bike. Because you yeah. you said you set it up straight to the point. Yeah. Over just mm-hmm. nope. I know what that means from now on. <laughs> we were on the pegs on the bike on the on the back of your bike. Well I didn't want you to guess it throughout the whole the, the beginning of, of it and be like I was trying to guess the whole time. Well that ain't right, well that ain't right, well that ain't right. And he says, and we fell off. <laughs> we flew off the bike. Like I did when I was 10. That's why I got this goose egg on my forehead. And then that. I got a scar on my elbow where oh, I fell off snap. the top off. It was like four feet, but whenever I was in kindergarten, that was like 20 feet tall. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, four feet, that's still a pretty good fall. Miss mm-hmm. Juana's house. Glad you're here with us. Well, I hope you guys liked it. Enjoyed it. We did. Please email us at screamingsugarpodcast at gmail.com. Tell us your stories. Tell us your spooky stories. Tell us hometown murders. You know, whatever. Send us requests. Yes, requests. You can go to our Insta. Insta for the win at Screaming Sugar Podcast. On Insta. On Insta. 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 And you got the pictures. With the words under the pictures. With the words under the pictures. <laughs> yes. It's been nice talking to you guys today. We hope you keep listening. And we hope you remember to keep it sweet. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.